This is the Perfectly Mentored Podcast with your host, Jason Portnoy. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Perfectly Mentored. I'm your host, Jason Portnoy, and we are back with the Ask Jason Live show, where I feel that questions from people live, you're not going to want to miss this one. Check it out. It is just me today. Megan is not here this week. I have the questions. We'll go through it. But this is the Q&A show. We'll cover everything from business, sales, mindset, marketing, whatever you need in order to grow your business. This is what I'm here to help with. That being said, we'll jump into it. I have some questions that were sent over from last week. So we'll just jump into this. So Val asks, I'm struggling to find people to hire. What can I do to attract potential candidates? There's unlimited ways that you could go out and find potential candidates. If you're struggling to find people to hire, that's usually a you issue. And what I mean by that is, like I said, there's unlimited ways to find to find candidates or to find hires or employees. You have all these different websites. Hire my mom. You have LinkedIn. You have recruitment firms. You have uh, your own network. You have so many different ways to find people and source people to find hires. The problem is usually when people say, I can't find any good people or I can't find any good candidates, it's usually around your own mindset of how you handle those hires or what you're exactly looking for. And it's a you issue that no one you think is good enough for you. That's a problem. And that's usually the mental hurdle that a lot of people need to get over when they're hiring is I just can't find any good people. No, you can't find anyone who's you. And when you're growing a business, you have to understand that no one's going to care about the business the same way you are. No one's going to stay awake all night thinking about their business or worrying about the problems the same way you are. So when you can't find potential candidates with unlimited different ways of finding them, like I just gave you, that's usually the you issue. And, and in terms of you, in terms of really finding a different way to attract them, that usually comes from how you treat the employees that you actually have right now. Do you do a good job training them? People sit there and say, I don't want to spend so much time into training someone who's eventually going to leave me. There's that quote, what happens if you train them and they leave you? What happens if you don't train them and they stay? That's more damaging. So are you a catapult? A lot of people don't want to be a catapult of I train someone, then they go out to find a better job. But guess what? You attract superstar talent who's going to want to work with you so they can develop. And that's how you create that lead of potential candidates coming in. But it's usually how your business is doing and how you treat your employees and the type of culture you have right there. That determines the attraction level. But if you're finding it hard to, to find people, period, I would just look at yourself and sit there and say, what are my expectations and are they realistic? Hope that helps though. Trevor asks, I can generate leads, but I can't retain customers. What are some strategies I can implement to increase customer retention? My first question to you is, or if you can't retain customers, is it because your product or your service just isn't good enough? And I don't mean that in a, in a harsh way, but that's the truth. It's very easy to sell someone something once the first time get someone to try something it's a lot harder to keep them coming back which is why retention is one of the most important parts in being able to grow a business because eventually you run out of first-time people and then if you have a bad reputation they start you know complaining about you online and then you can't even get first-time buyers anymore so 
before we get into even strategies of retaining customers, I'm going to assume that you actually have a good product or service because if you don't, it doesn't really matter what you do, you won't be able to retain customers. So that's step one. If you do have a good product or service, the question is, are you spending enough time investing in the relationships with your existing customers? So many people are focused on trying to bring in new customers that they forget about the current ones that they have. And it's way easier to sell someone something, a past customer or something, than it is to try to get someone new in. So are you investing in that relationship? Do you send out direct mail to them? Do you have customer appreciation days or bonuses or VIP days where they get something on discount, but only if you're an existing customer? Do you send out thank you letters? Is, do you, do you send out holiday cards? Are you, you just have to think, what are you doing to invest in the relationship that you currently have with your existing customers? And chances are you're not doing a good enough job. It's like the dating metaphor, right? When we start dating someone, we become all in. We're doing everything for them. We're trying to, we're trying to get them to really like us and want us. And we go and we keep that and we want to keep them coming back. We want date number two. We want date number three. We want so we do everything we can invest. And then once you get into that relationship, a lot of people neglect the relationship, right? Because like you stop investing in it. But if you want to stay married or you want to have the relationship keep going, you have to keep working on it. You have to keep investing in it. So many people think I got the transaction from that customer once. I don't need to invest anymore. I think that's the biggest mistake. So assuming you have a great product or service, call them, call your best customers and just say thank you. And you appreciate you buying from them. Figure out ways to sell them more stuff. Figure out ways to thank them. Give them special privileges, special access to things. Send them gifts. Just do whatever you can to keep that relationship going and invest in it. Michael says, I feel like I'm running my business too passively and it's hindering me from scaling. What mindset shifts can I make to be more competitive? If you're running your business too passively and it's hindering you from scaling, maybe stop running it too passively. That would be the mindset shift to make. That would be the change, right? You're asking about the mindset shift that you can make in order to be more competitive. That's the biggest mindset. Don't be passive in your business. You can only grow what you focus on. And if you're out and you're not focusing on what's in front of you, then it's going to be impossible to grow. So if you're running your business passively, become a bit more active in it. If you can't scale, there's no reason why you're being passive. Passive comes from when you have all the systems in place, you have the team in place, it's scaling, it, you, it doesn't need you in order to grow. But if it needs you, you don't have a business right now, you have a job. And that's okay in the beginning, but you have to figure out a way to get it to that point, to scale to that point where you could become passive. But if you're too passive right now, it means you're a bit too early in trying to be passive or you don't have the team in place that's allowing you to scale. So one, either get more active inside the business and get going um, and that will allow you to scale or two, put the team in place that will allow you to scale if your time is being consumed too much already. But either way, you shouldn't be passive in your own business. Mickey asks, how can I better understand my target audience psychology to increase brand awareness? One of the easiest ways to understand your target audience psychology is to think. So a lot of people sit there and say, I want to sell something to this type of audience, but then they don't think about, okay, what is my audience? What do they do? And what's the demographic? What's the psychographics behind, behind them? They just think, all right, what's the offer I'm going to put out there. But marketing is, there's a quote that says marketing is pretty much speculative until you know the market better than they know themselves. So if you understand that you sit there and say, okay, 
you want to build the avatar. So who's your ideal, your ideal audience? What are they reading? What books do they read? What, what music do they listen to? What brands are they following? What trade shows are they attending? What are their interests beyond just your specific product? But think about who they are. What TV shows are they watching? What movies do they go to? What concerts do they attend? Where are they spending their time? Where are they congregating? What's their tribe like? What are they passionate about? You can find a lot of this also looking on Amazon also and going to your niche in terms of books and looking at what the reviews are coming in because they'll tell you a lot of the different things and give you the psychology of what they're actually looking for. So once you understand that, it's very easy to now create content around what they're interested in, and especially in terms of advertising, because now you could target that whole persona versus just randomly, openly targeting different people. Now you can have, all right, so I know that my, my ideal audience likes, likes Jay-Z and likes to read Entrepreneur Magazine and watches, and watches Breaking Bad and they are this once you really get deep into understanding who that avatar is that will allow you to really scale and that will allow you to just enhance your brand awareness because now you understand exactly who your target audience is trish says my business is growing faster than i expected what can i do to keep up the pace first off if your business is growing faster than you expected congratulations right? That's a good thing, right? Your business is growing. We want to celebrate that. You should be happy. Stop just thinking about the problem. Take a second. And really, as entrepreneurs, we don't like to pat ourselves on the back so much. Give yourself a little pat on the back and say, congratulations. That being said, now that we congratulate ourselves, let's get deep into it a little bit for a second and sit there and say, a good problem is still a problem. It may be good. You're growing fast, but you don't want things to break. So if you want to keep up the pace and it's not broken yet, Great. Let's figure out how not how you could keep growing and not have everything come break. That becomes systems. Do you have systems in place that will allow you to keep expanding and growing and allow you to bring on a team? If you don't, first thing I would do is start creating systems around everything that you do inside your business. Is there SOP? So do you have standard operating procedures around everything that you do inside your business? If not, start creating those because that will allow you to train people faster when everything's in place. So systems, SOPs, strategy. Do you have a strategy to grow? Not many people do, believe it or not. They have a stra- they, they, they don't have long-term strategy. They have very short-term strategy of I'm going to do this, but they don't have a strategy of what happens when we get to here, what will be our strategy going forward, going that way. So all putting that in place, I, th- I think the biggest reason that businesses break when growing fast is because they don't have the systems in place to handle it. So get that in place right now, and then that will allow you to bring on a team that will allow you to figure out where your bottlenecks are, and that will allow you to solve things before they break. But congratulations, happy your business is growing, and um, and yeah, if it's not broken, keep scaling, but figuring out where's that bend, not break point, because that's really what, where you want to go. This is the last question, and it's from Charlotte, and it says, how can I raise funds to start my dream business? Friends and family? There's an abundance of money out there. So friends and family, do they want to invest in you? Do you have joint ventures or people you know that do something similar that they want to invest as a bolt-on service to what they already do? That's like a joint venture. Someone who know, someone who has your ideal clientele 
but they don't offer what you're about to offer. So for example, if I'm selling t-shirts, someone's selling pants, that's a good relationship because if you're wearing t-shirts, chances are you need pants. If you're pants, chances are you need a top to it. So reach out to those people. But here's the thing. I would always sit there and I always sit there and say, when someone tries to look for investments, I sit there and say the number one investment that I want is from myself. Do I believe in this enough to put my money where my mouth is? Now that means there's small business loans, there's lines of credit, there's a lot of different ways you could actually get money for your business and raise the funds without giving up any equity. Now, I think that's the best way to grow because now you own 100%. If you truly believe in your business, then it should be an easy, easy expense, right? Because you have the line of credit and you have to pay it back. But if your business is going to be a success, it's there. Chances are when people sit there and say they want to raise outside money, a lot of times, especially in the beginning, they may, it may just be like a grandiose dream and they, no line of credit is going to fuel it, but no investment, no, nobody's going to be an investment at zero just off an idea right now, especially in today's market. But the reason why they want it is because they want to play it safe right? I don't want all the risk. I love my idea. I think my idea is going to be really good, but I just don't want the risk associated with this. I want someone else to put up the risk, which is okay. But in the beginning, like you're going to give up a, if you truly, truly believe in your idea, you're going to give up a lot of equity for someone to fund your dream business for you. And that's a lot of equity. And now you probably will be working for someone, believe it or not, based off the percentage that they're probably going to take. I think Taking out a loan, taking out a credit line and small business loan is one of the most underrated ways that you could probably grow your business and start off. And that will at least get you funded to start your dream business. And then as you grow, if you need more capital, then you at least have leverage in any negotiation when you bring in outside money to not give up your entire business. I hope that helps. A couple of comments coming in. Salim says, I am the man. Thank you. Appreciate it. You're the man. But also ask, how do you start a new business to be successful? When you start, right? You got to just start. Starting the business is, believe it or not, is the easy part. Being successful comes down to, do you have an offer that people want? A product that people want? A service that people want? Most people try to find different ways of advertising. The most important thing that you could possibly do is craft your offer. What is your offer to your market? Is there a market fit for what you're offering? So right message, right market, right media. That's really what it is. You start the business and then do you have the right market for it? Are you on the right media, which is the right platforms to advertise it? And are you saying the right thing? So right market, right, right message, right media. That's the holy Dan Kennedy marketing triangle of how things look. And that's really what you need in order to advertise your business. That's where success comes from. But yeah. I hope that helps. It's weird doing this without Megan's kind of my my wing woman on all this because she 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 feeds the questions and then she sparks some conversation. Doing it solo is a little bit unique, but I did not want to cancel on this week and I wanted to come in and be able to offer any questions you have. If you have any questions in the meantime, put them in the comments below. We'll get to them next week. If you're interested in working together, head on over to jportnoy.com. All the info on how we could possibly work together is on there. Uh, but yeah, until next week, thank you so much for your attention. Really appreciate you. And thanks for joining in and uh, have an amazing weekend, everyone. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you for your attention. And if you made it this far, you're clearly someone who wants to take their business to the next level. And I understand that being an entrepreneur, it's a lonely place. It could be a lonely journey, which is why being part of a thriving community of like-minded people is just super important. 
as is the ability to instantly get answers to the questions you have in order to scale and grow your business. It's why I launched the Market Domination Coaching Group and it's we are open for invitations right now to join. So to request an invitation and book a free diagnostic consultation, let's call it a game plan call, head on over to marketdominationcoaching.com. It's where I will jump on a call with you and show you at least three ways you could possibly grow your business, whether we work together or not, we'll still do this. Uh, it's going to be the best business decision you'll make uh, today. Uh, so speak soon. Head on over to marketdominationcoaching.com. Book your free game plan call and I'll speak to you soon. 